Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name is Susan Sellers, and I'm the producer and today's host. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous support from the Fort Bragg Spouses Club and the Fort Campbell Spouses Club. Joining me today is Missy Wirtz, military spouse and mother. She'll be sharing how raising her two children overseas helped her to have a better understanding of the sacrifices military kids make and illuminated the richness as well as challenges they now have as young adults. Missy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I would love to start off by having you just briefly share about your family and where you've lived over the last 30 years. Um, okay, my husband, uh, Steve, and I started out at our first assignment at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. He was a field artilleryman, and we ended up visiting Fort Sill quite a number of times. We have two children, uh, Rachel and Sam. Our daughter, Rachel, is 25, and she is now a college graduate and working um, in D.C., and our son, Sam, is 23, and he is in his last semester at the American University of Paris. In addition to being stationed at uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, your family has also spent a lot of time overseas. Um, for a lot of military families, that's uh, something common, you know, rotating out to Oconus for, for a tour, but you've actually spent maybe more time overseas than, than in the States while the kids were growing up. Is that right? I'm not sure if, um, I all ha- I haven't done the math recently, so I don't, I'm not sure if it's about half and half or a little bit more, but what, what we did was we kind of became a ping pong ball. And we would do time at Fort Sill, and then we would do time in South Korea. Um, What was, I think, significant about this constant moving between Fort Sill and Korea is that my kids really got to, to, to live in another culture all during their um, developmental years. Our first tour in Korea was when they were both preschoolers. We were there for one year. We went back to Fort Sill for a couple of years. We returned to Korea this time for two years, and they were um, elementary students. And we went back to the States for a little while, and then they finished middle school and high school. My daughter actually graduated from Seoul American High School. So they developed a real comfort for Korea, and, and the Korean culture was really a wonderful place to raise our children. Um, they, they treasure children, they value children, and it was just a wonderful experience for us. Well, it actually was, in fact, when you were living in South Korea that you first heard the term third culture kids. Would you share with our listeners about this experience and, and what this term actually means? Yes. When my daughter was in high school, um, Seoul American High School did a lot of partnering with the um, international schools there in in Seoul. A lot of State Department kids went there and such. And, um, you know, we played them in basketball and soccer and everything. And so when they had something that was they thought a very good resource, they would they would share that with the parents. So 
uh, email went out and in, inviting the parents to go to their campus and uh, listen to a speaker. Her name is Libby Stevens speak on the concept of third culture kids. And so I, I was that got my attention and I thought, well, what is a third culture kid? And my kids are third culture kids. And these are um, kids that spend a significant amount of time living outside of their passport country. And they literally have three identities to them. Um, their first is their passport country. Their second is the culture that they're currently living in or cultures that they have lived in. And the third uh, part of that is the culture with their peers that are doing the same thing they are. And um, it was a really informative um, presentation. Libby Stevens has done a lot of work with international schools all over Asia, all over Europe. She's passionate about third culture kids. Uh, she's still working with them today. And she just explained a lot of things about the why uh, with my children. And it really changed the way I saw my children and it changed the way I, I parented them. Well, I have to ask then, learning about this term third culture kids and, and recognizing these elements in your own children and understanding the concept in itself, how did, how did it impact you as a parent? Well, first of all, it made me understand that I had no idea what my children were experiencing. I grew up in South Mississippi. I was born and raised in the same town um, that I, you know, grew up in. I spent the first 18 years of my life in a small rural town in Mississippi. I went to college and then I began my moving experience as an adult. But I learned that um, for my kids, uh, it's a lot different as an adult. And when I am moving, I am focusing on, you know, getting everyone to a place where they are engaging in school and engaging in their community. But that's as, as an adult, that's an adult view. As a child that's going through moves and internationally, it's a little bit more complicated. There's uh, a little bit more grieving to the process and kids don't really understand. They may feel grief, but they don't know how to put words to I'm, I'm grieving, uh, loss of friendships, loss of, um, because you're moving to the other side of the world, loss of um, uh, access to some um, activities. My, my daughter was a competitive dancer in middle school and high school um, in the United States. What she was experienced as a competitive dancer in the United States was not available in Korea. And so there's, there's a loss there. You know, when you start realizing that your kids are actually grieving some loss of some things, it brings you a place where you seek understanding from them. You want to improve your communication with them and you're you're able to kind of let some things go because you're seeing the whole child and you're seeing their experience of adapting. Well, I have to say, you know, what you just shared is definitely could resonate with a lot of military families, whether they moved overseas, whether they moved from state to state, you know, there's that permanent loss 
you and I had talked about that offline, you know, that particularly though for those kids going overseas and then leaving that duty station, um, it's not something you can easily return to. Um, so there's this sense of, of permanent loss that they may be experiencing you know, through different moves. Uh, for you though, what was the biggest revelation you had in understanding what it truly meant for your kids to be third culture kids? I think the most shocking uh, thing that I learned was that my kids will never be 100% American. I, I can remember hearing Libby say this, they'll never be 100% American. And I remember feeling really, really sad. I, I, I you know what? There, well, of course, we're a patriotic family. We love our country. My husband's whole life and career is um, is rooted in serving American and American freedoms. And what you know, what does this mean? My my kids will never be a hundred percent American. But that's that. The good news is why that can be a little sad to hear yourself say. Sometimes the good thing is is that my kids are what is is called global citizens and they have a very rich memory bank and understanding of cultures and people and that that is a huge plus plus for them and i have actually watched them grow in that and developed that understanding in my own life of appreciation of other of other cultures the number one i remember Libby saying that the hardest culture for third culture kids to adapt to is their passport country. And the number one thing that they grieve is the, the fact that they're, they're not a foreigner. They, they tend to embrace knowing that they are a foreigner. And when you go back to the United States and that's your passport country, People expect you to fit in because you're an American and you're in America. But the fact is you've had the influence of, of another culture and other people that um, grow you in ways that kind of brings little bumps. I remember that one of the things that's very common for third culture kids and even for me as an adult is that we tend to talk and tell our story according to where we were living at the time and the, because our lives are so complicated and we move so much we remember things that happened based on where we were when i was living at this house at fort sill this happened when i lived it whatever but when my daughter went back to university she did her first year of university um in in uh, the states and we talked about this because I'd learned it from uh, uh, Libby was that we are going to tell our story according to where we live. And so my daughter would say often when I lived in Korea, we used to go to Thailand for spring break. Or when we went to Korea, we went and visited the Great Wall one year for Labor Day weekend or, you know, and what a monoculture person does when they hear that is they make some assumptions about you mostly that you're affluent, mostly that they cannot identify with you because your life is a little bit more grander than theirs. But um, so, 
you know, we, you try to watch those little clues that you lay out because you know that people are having a hard time connecting with you and we're all driven for connection. Um, and so it just makes connecting back a little bit difficult. It, it, it is not unusual for third culture kids to, to make a change in university. What becomes very deeply rooted inside of them is the need for change. During their entire growing up, their, those developmental years, our kids learn what is normal. And our kids have learned that what is normal is two years and you leave, three years and you leave, two years and you leave. And so when that gets in them, the need for change stays with them. So I can't remember what the statistic was for uh, the percentage, but I, I remember it was pretty high that uh, third culture kids typically will change universities um, will not spend their entire university time at one place. It happened with my daughter and in a way with my son. My daughter did a year in the States. It was very difficult to transition back to that monoculture. She didn't fit, uh, she didn't, she felt like she needed to make a change. She came back and joined us in Europe and she finished her um, degree at the American University of Rome. But she still needed change during that three years at the American University of Rome. And so she did a study abroad for one semester in uh, London. My son went to Paris at the American University of Paris. After two years, he needed a change. He did a study abroad program uh, in South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. So that need for change is something that really is very difficult to get out. If it if it ever does. The good news is our children are adaptable. They can adapt and they are comfortable with change. I think that's really interesting what you shared, Missy. Um, definitely something to, to think about. So identifying some of the challenges that our kids can go through, particularly our, our kids that have been living overseas and coming back to the States. But as you mentioned at the at the beginning, there's so many opportunities for them as well. What do you think was probably some of the greater strengths that your children ended up developing as a result of growing up overseas? I think one, uh, one that I think is really important is that they, they really have a sharpened perspective of life and an understanding that a life as I know it is really temporary it can change. If they were not changing and moving, then people who were important to them were moving. Um, and so they have an understanding of what I have right here, right now in front of me that is very valuable. It's worth my effort and my time. Um, I treasure it. I value these relationships. And so, they're, the relationships that they make with people are not surface. They're they're deep, and um, they're very important to them. So they uh, and they have a a very um, rich memory bank of of just experiences um, from from living abroad. 
So we've highlighted some of the challenges growing up overseas, but I'd like to now focus on uh, how you think growing up Oconus has affected your children positively. Uh, what, what do you think some of their strengths are as a result of this background? There are so many, but um, our, our kids are very adaptable and flexible. They're very confident uh, with change. Their developmental years, they were always having to change and adapt, change and adapt. So uh, that is very strong in them. But I, I think the most uh, important or valuable positive that my kids have picked up is that they have a sharpened perspective of the now and they know that the now can change very quickly either they're leaving or someone that they are close to are, are leaving so they very much tr treasure the now and are fully invested in it and fully invested in their friends and their friends kind of become you know we kind of have family with the capital left that's our little group of my daughter my son my husband us as a family but those uh relationships those pure relationships that they form become a lowercase family and that's how how they treasure those relationships and how they value those and those are extremely poor, important to them so for parents that are now starting to raise their family overseas, or maybe they're getting ready to experience their first Oconus move, what advice would you share? Well, I would, of course, get, get the book, A Third Culture Kid. And there's tons of, you can look it up on Google and YouTube and stuff. You need to get an understanding of your child. It's very important that you um, maintain good, communication with them they create a safe space for them to share their challenges and whatnot um and i think another concept that is written about in the book is the process uh, what they call is rafting and this is this is real easy for us as military because it's very similar to the helen farewells that we've been going to forever but you're your children need to be a part of this process too. So rafting, what is it? Well, R stands for reconciliation. It's, it's really important that they leave uh, where they are um, with reconciliation in their peer relationships or, or any race relationships. That is um, clearing up uh, misunderstandings, disagreements between peers, um, and being able to leave relationships in a good, good place is really important for kids. Um, a is, stands for affirmation, and that is in, really encourage your children to say thank you to whomever they need to say thank you to before they leave. This could be a teacher. It could be a neighbor. Um, it could be a, a, a coach. Um, someone who was important to them and invested in their lives while they're at the, the place. F in rafting stands for farewelling. And it's important for kids to have that moment to say a goodbye. Um, my kids would, would always meet their friends at a bus station before we took the bus to the airport when we were in Korea. 
we went to them when to that bus station when kids were leaving we gave them that final hug before they got on that bus and the same happened for us so whenever you leave someplace it's it's important that you ask your children who is important to you that you need to say goodbye to and help them make that happen and then t stands for transition and that is to start looking and thinking about what is ahead um and and that is you know if i'm moving to germany i'm starting to look at what's that school going to look like that i'm going to be there how big is it you know what's going to be the the things that i'm going to be able to look forward to and experience positive things that i have to look forward to and experience before i get there and that rafting experience will really help you and your kids transition into a new culture very well okay and, and susan i might also add that if, if a parent is listening today and they are involved with organizations like a pto or a spouses club and you're trying to think of what can we give back to our community reaching out to people who have expertise about the third culture kid bringing them into your community to hear them talk about um, the things that our kids are experiencing, how they need a little bit more support, maybe some adjustments that you need to make in, into your own parenting. That is a very rich contribution. Um, when I visited the International School in Seoul and heard Libby Stevens speak, it really changed the way I parented my kids. And I was moved with a little bit more a lot more empathy for what my kids were uh, going through with our with our moves and helped me be a better parent. And my kids are young adults now, and we have very good relationships. We still talk about these experience, and it's just information that I think everyone needs to know when you're living overseas. Well, Missy, I really appreciate you coming on today and educating us all on what it means to be a third culture kid. And for our listeners, we will include in the show notes more information about the book that Missy referenced. Until next time, I always want to encourage you to live a great story. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Thank you again to the Fort Bragg Spouses Club and the Fort Campbell Spouses Club for their generous support of today's podcast. You can listen to this podcast and those archived by topic when you subscribe and download at Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. MSEC supports all military-connected children by educating, advocating, and collaborating to resolve educational challenges associated with the military lifestyle. Learn more about our partnerships, programs, and initiatives at militarychild.org and follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for the latest on our enduring mission to serve the children of those who serve us all. Thanks for listening. Thanks.